Welcome to Gil Reads Comics, where I recap and review your favorite comics as I guide my non-comic reading brother Adam through the world of heroes and villains. Today, we're talking about the A Trivial Pursuit story arc from Amazing Spider-Man that's comprised of issues 6 and 7 released on September 26th and October 10th, 2018. These issues were both written by Nick Spencer with art by Steve Lieber and Humberto Ramos. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Adam, I had a dream last night about comics. That doesn't surprise me. So this isn't comic news. I don't think we'll have time for comic news today, but comic or comic-related dreams. (laughs) Uh, There was this woman that was trying to pass a law which says that you cannot have any blank panels in a comic because that's not fair to the consumer. They paid for an entire comic book. It's not fair to have a blank panel where nothing happens. And this I was arguing your... with her. I said, well, what if there's, you know, it's an artistic choice where for some, maybe a character gets knocked out. So the next panel indicates that they're unconscious and it's blank. She wasn't having it. And, and I woke up in a state of intense frustration. <laughs> like that you knew you were right? Yeah, and they just wouldn't listen to reason. I don't know. I kind of, she has a point, I think. <laughs> Like there's nothing worse, nothing worse than you're reading a comic and there's a blank panel. It, like the, it's like when you get a bag of chips and it's half air. Yeah, it's like when you reach into a bag of chips and you miss, and you pull your <laughs> hand out and it's just empty. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's happened to me before. Well, let's get into. We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man. We're going to cover the entire story arc of a Trivial Pursuit which comprises issues 6 and 7. Hmm. Do you think uh do you think that Spider-Man's going to do trivia? Well, you know, I don't want to don't want to spoil anything here. Maybe it's a metaphor. He 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 plays trivia. Okay, nice. We start off the issue with a guy named Dougie driving like a madman trying to escape from the vulture, who you might know that villain from the Homecoming film. In the comics, he's sort of an old man, dresses up like a vulture, flies around. He grabs Dougie and threatens to drop him and kill him because Dougie stole money from him. But then they're interrupted by a stain on Dougie's shirt, barbecue stain. Starts talking. Starts begging for its life. Wait, the the stain is talking? The stain is talking. (laughs) Because the stain has been on his shirt for years. And Dougie never does laundry, so that stain has evolved and become sentient. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> now, it turns out... I think... I... No, go ahead. <laughs> I think that's what happened to Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about our little brother, Daniel? Yeah. You're saying that he used to be... <laughs> he was a stain. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I don't think he listens to this. He says he listens, but I don't think he listens. <laughs> I don't think so either. 
Well, the stain didn't really come to life. There is somebody inside the stain that's talking. Can you guess who? This is a character we've come across before. That has Ant-Man. The Close. Remember, this is a villain. The human ant. <laughs> the I'm black, getting close. The black ant. Okay. He's the one who was uh, working with Taskmaster. Remember when they tried to steal the isotope genome right. accelerator? And then it was revealed that they're actually working for Craven. Yeah. So we don't know exactly what they're doing for Craven, but it turns out that Black Ant was hiding in that barbecue stain on Dougie's shirt. He pops out, goes full size. Then Taskmaster swoops in and basically throws a net on the vulture and catches him. And Taskmaster says, Client's paying a pretty penny for this one. Tag him and bag him. And then Black Ant says, Amen to that, Tasky. Can't wait to see who's next on the list. Hmm. Okay, I have a theory. Yeah, go ahead. I think Craven is using the isotope, or hopes to use the isotope genome accelerator on all these heroes. Or, and, or I guess it's more the villains. Maybe he wants to extract all of their powers and somehow give them to himself. I think you are wrong. Because if you remember... I think this was last issue when the Black Ant and Taskmaster were being interrogated. They specifically said, we weren't after the Isotope Genome Accelerator. We're after bigger game. So that, mm. them stealing that machine, that was a red herring. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, then maybe he just wants to capture these villains because he's obsessed with capturing living things. <laughs> He is a nut job, like you, you yeah, so eloquently yeah. put it last time. So I think you, you might be onto something there. I don't have a better theory right now. It's too bad. It's too bad he's not a good guy because he'd be really good at stopping these guys, the villains. That's true. Hey, maybe he'll take the route of who am I thinking of? There was some villain that was Penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah Penguin. He might be going the Penguin route soon, teaming up oh, with geez. Peter Parker. He's waddling down the route of the penguin. <laughs> uh, and before we move on from this scene, that's kind of the only little little uh, glimpse we get at Taskmaster and Black Ant. So this is just a reminder to us that, hey, there's bigger things happening here in the background. Uh, what happened to Dougie? As Black Ant put it, ironically enough, is now a stain himself. Oh. And said, Dougie fell to his death. And he splattered on the ground. This, uh, two things here. Number one, this reminds me of season three of Twin Peaks, which you haven't seen, but there's a prominent character named Dougie in that. No, no really other that... connection there. Okay. <laughs> so th- this this scene reminds me of uh, that show, Doug, on Nickelodeon. <laughs> because of the name. Yeah. But the, the other thing I want to say is, I have a, so last time you and I talked about Batman, you complained that Bruce Wayne is too much of a, of an empath, I think is how you put it. Yeah. He has too much empathy. I think I have that problem too, because when I'm reading something or watching something and human life is disposed of in this insignificant way, like we see here with Dougie, it becomes a major distraction for me. Like when I watch Fast and Furious, those movies, when they're zooming down the highway and trucks are flying to the side, vans are getting crushed, I see an SUV get crushed and I think, 
there was probably a whole family in that SUV. And it just in the background, they're dead. Takes yeah. me out of the movie. I can see that. You don't like this callous disposal of precious life. Exactly. So I'm hopeful that maybe in a few issues in the background, maybe we see Dougie in a hospital van or something. Maybe he's okay. I mean, if uh, if Nightwing can survive a bullet to the head. Surely Dougie can survive a, a fall from the sky. Yeah. Although I, I realize now that I keep accidentally mixing up all the comics that we're reading. Because <laughs> it, was, it was only after I said that that I remembered... Uh, Nightwing is from Batman. <laughs> hey, where's Batman in all this? Yeah. Well, you know, DC and Marvel do coexist in a sort of multiverse. Years ago, the two publishers would occasionally work together to do a crossover. And at one point, they had a major Marvel versus DC crossover where a bunch of the heroes from both publishers fought each other. And in the end, they created what was known as the Amalgam Universe, where the various heroes combined. For example, Batman and Wolverine combined to become Dark Claw. Hmm. That reminds me of that cover of, with the that you tweeted recently of the Infinity Gauntlet with Wolverine's claws coming out. Yeah, there's a major event that's been going on for a little while now. Not Infinity War, but Infinity Wars. And a follow-up to that is going to be Infinity Warp, where, once again, a lot... <laughs> they just chose that because it has the word war in it. <laughs> no, it made sense. Because all these heroes are being combined again. So you have the Soldier Supreme, which is Doctor Strange mixed with Captain America and a bunch of various other uh, amalgamations of the heroes. Hmm. But back to the story at hand. Where is Peter Parker in all this? Right? He, he should be stopping this, these, uh, these shenanigans. He's at trivia. No, he's making out with MJ. Nice. And Fred, their supervillain roommate. Is, hey, he's making uh, out with both of them? <laughs> he's creepily <laughs> watching them. And then he starts sweeping the room, and he's like, oh, it's time for me to do my chores. Uh, but clearly, it's just an excuse for him to hang out in uh, in the room with them while they make out. Well, who does he want to be a third wheel? <laughs> well, see, you're picking up on something. I will tell you up front, there is something going on with the Fred character. We're going to learn a little bit more about him over these next two issues. There is a very good explanation for why he's so desperate. To be in that room. And he's not the one who's also a villain, right? No, he is. He's Boomerang. He is. Oh, okay. In, in fact, Pete starts thinking to himself how annoyed he is at Fred. Uh, Adam, remember a little while ago when Hydra took over the the, the whole United States? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sucked. And you know Hydra, Those are that, that's an offshoot from the Nazis. Yeah. Well, during all that chaos, Fred... He became a big mob boss, but as a mob boss, he did a lot of favors, and some of those favors were for the freedom fighters, the good guys. Hmm. So after all that nonsense, he was actually forgiven, 
and Pete is getting frustrated at this constant Fred doing evil things and then getting forgiven. So you might not even realize this, but his supervillain identity, it's not a secret. Their other roommate, Randy, he knows that Fred was a supervillain. In fact, it actually makes Fred popular at parties because he has all these great stories about his supervillain days. You know, sometimes this this world seems morally bankrupt to me. Explain. It's like no one's got much of a problem with the fact that there's all these villains running around and none of them stay in jail for very long. And it's like everyone sees it as a big game. Yeah, well, that's why we need Peter Parker. That's why we need Spider-Man running around. He's guilty of it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what what did he do? I don't know. I feel like he could be doing more. Well, I guess he is. He's sort of enabling Fred by letting him live there. And he didn't put up much of uh he didn't really give Nora Winters a very hard time for helping out the Hobgoblin. Yeah. So. Like, look, Spider-Man, if he wanted, he could be slowly, like, poisoning Fred. You know? <laughs> That'd be a great idea. <laughs> just, just sneaking, like, arsenic or arson. What is it called? Arsenic. Arsenic yeah. into his coffee. Yeah. Or, like, put, like, tiny. Look, Spider-Man's radioactive. He could just put, like, little little droplets of his blood in that dude's coffee every morning and irradiate him slowly over time. It's just just like, why are my teeth falling out? Why do webs keep shooting out of my fingers? Yeah. Oh, and I'll just say that even to this day, Fred keeps getting away with stuff. Recently, he robbed a museum and then Mayor Fisk covered for him. He told the public that, oh, no, that was just a test of our supervillain response system. He's covering for him. Hmm. That's you know, I looked into that recently. Later. You can actually get a job as one of those people who tests uh, places f- physical vulnerability. Oh, really? So I've heard of that for hackers where you try and hack a network and you come up with here's all the things you need to do. Here's where you're where you're where you're vulnerable. But you're saying you can do that for real buildings too. Yeah. Wow. Fred should try doing Fred should do that. That would be a good way for him to use his skill set in a legitimate way. Exactly. See, at, at minimum, uh Peter Parker could be doing that, like encouraging him to use his powers for good. Yeah. Well, you know what? In a way he did that because he did get Fred to steal the accelerator which Pete used to recombine with Spider Man. But True. Fred didn't know he was doing good, so it doesn't really count. Mm. Well, than nothing. Pete's annoyed, and the cherry on top of all that is at the end of it, MJ says, I really don't get why you don't like him. He seems nice. <laughs> but Pete does not trust Fred. So after Fred leaves the apartment, Pete suits up as Spider-Man and follows him using a spider tracer follows him to a secret hideout where Fred, as Boomerang, is having a poker game with his old gang, the Sinister Six. Shocker's there, Speed Demon, Beetle, a couple other villains. And uh, one of the villains mentions a job that they pulled earlier in the night, you know, a robbery of some sort. And Fred cuts him off and says, No, 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 no. You guys know we don't talk business on poker night. Those are the rules. Beetle apologizes. Sorry, sorry, forgot the sacred trust. 
And then Speed Demon cuts in. Says, hey, don't make fun of the rules. You remember how bad stuff got before we had the rules? And Beetle says, I remember Boomerang and Shocker needing couples therapy, if that's what you mean. And you think she's joking. But they cut yeah. to a flashback of couples therapy. <laughs> where the therapist says, and how did that make you feel? Shocker replies, locking me in a car trunk and pushing me off a bridge? Pretty effing bad, Doc. And it's all bleeped out, so he actually cursed. Oh, he's hurt. Yeah. Do you think they have Dr. Villain confidentiality? Probably. I mean, they have that in real life. Right? If you if you meet with a therapist, if you if you confess to a crime, do they have to report you? I don't think so. I, th- I think it's only if they have reason to believe there is someone currently in danger. Right. If you say, uh, I've killed and I will kill again, <laughs> then you got to stop them. I don't know. I think if you confess to killing someone, like, they got to, they must be able to report it, right? Wait, are you serious? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I got to make a phone call. <laughs> I got your attorney. <laughs> This is funny because uh, you've been locked in a car trunk before. Not unwillingly. Remember, I put you in there. Did you? Yeah. We were filming. This was years ago. We were filming a short film, and at one point, we uh, shut you in a trunk just for a second, yeah. though. I like enclosed spaces, though. <laughs> what does that mean? Um. So not like a like caves or something like that, but if it's if it's like designed for a human to be in. Right, like I like a casket. That. You know what? I think I would like a nice, like, silky, pillowy casket to sleep in. Well, uh, well, and I, I'm saying this because you know how you know those like big trucks you see on the highway. Yeah, you know they have that compartment in the top where the driver can sleep at night. No, I didn't know that. Look at the top. You know that like part that kind of curves at the top of the 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 front part of the truck, not. Not the storage um, thing. I sound very um, poorly informed about trucks, but I just mean if you look at the part of the truck that actually does the driving. Yeah, it we has get this it. Kind you of, said the front of the truck. Yeah, the front part. <laughs> at the top. You know how uh, things have a front and a back, and there's like a forward and a backwards? Move. Imagine if you're moving forward, and then you're at the front. I'm talking about that's the part I'm talking about, the front part. Yeah, not the back. but anyway that top part has like a little tinted window on it and if you look into this that's a place where the the truck driver can kind of climb up into that little cabin and sleep there's like a a little bed and in my imaginary fantasy version of this there's like a little cup holder and there's an ipad mounted above my head too that i can watch while i lay there wow that sounds very cozy that's what you like you like cozy Right, so that's why I like the trunk of the car. Well, I do want to say one thing here, which is that Nick Spencer, he's done a great job with humor so far in most of these issues. I mean, you and I have laughed out loud just reading some of the quotes from these comics. I will say that over the next two issues, it gets a little bit too silly for me. This would be one example of that. Just you know, the therapy session, actually showing the therapy session. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny, but there's moments where this goes a little too far for me, and I'll bring up a couple more examples. As we that almost reminds this. me of um, 
like Family Guy where they'll reference something that happened in the past and then just show that clip. Yeah, that's actually a good pull because uh, they did a recently they did an Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon series, and it was in a lot of ways Family Guy style. Where uh, you know Peter Parker at one point, you know, a villain says to him, "You're toast." And then he pictures himself as a piece of toast walking around. So it was very Family Guy style humor. Um, Pete is uh, back in the kitchen with Randy later on. That's his other roommate. And Randy says to Pete, I don't get it, Pete. What's your problem with Fred? He has baseball stories and he has supervillain stories. He's a hit at parties. And Pete says to him, you kind of skated by the key word there, Randy. Supervillain. And then Randy, he's reformed. The guy went straight. And Randy is a little biased here because he is a social worker. And Pete calls him out on that. Do uh, you he's think... got too much empathy. Exactly. Do you think Fred is reformed? I don't think so. And we know I mean, Peter he's not. easily manipulated him into committing crime. Yeah, and it didn't take any manipulation. It was just, hey, there's an expensive thing here. It's not very well guarded. Whoa, what was that? You know, he's, uh, I, I don't buy it. Fred barges in while Pete and Randy are talking. And he starts telling one of his stories, one of his tussles with Spider-Man. And Fred says, you see, Spider-Man had his Captain Universe powers at the time, which made him tougher than usual to defeat. And Pete cuts in, wait a second, Spider-Man didn't have Captain Universe powers then, they were long gone. And then Fred, huh? How would you know? Pete's giving away his secret identity. <laughs> what a dummy. <laughs> but he has a cover story. You see, in all this time where Pete's, you know, was a journalist, a photographer, and he always had these pictures of Spider-Man, he would claim that he was friends with Spider-Man, and that's how he got all the pictures. So Randy quickly jumps in and explains, Pete used to be Spider-Man's personal photographer. And Pete uh, expands on that and starts boasting how, you know, he might know Spider-Man better than he knows himself. And, and Fred better not try and make up any more stories about him. <laughs> but in this world where, like, half the people have superpowers and some of them are just walking among you, like... Like, he's this is an unnecessary risk because someone could easily look at that and be like, oh, yeah, he might be Spider Man. Yeah, Pete, he's you know, you have to remember, he's still a young man, early 20s. You know, the, the part of his brain that does that understands responsibility and does rational thinking, it's not quite fully developed yet. Mm. He's not, you know, not, not everyone can be like you, Adam, where they're you know, mature very quickly. Fair enough. Well, uh, Fred gets a serious look on his face, and he says, you need to come with me. What do you think's going on here? Well, where's where's know. Fred taking Peter? Trivia. Don't be ridiculous. Taking him to trivia. <laughs> so he takes Pete to a back alley, and Pete asks him, where are you taking me? Fred, he, he's now in his boomerang costume. And he says, Pete, stop stressing. You trust me, don't you? And Pete says, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Pete even calls him out. He's like, you're wearing your supervillain costume. And, and Boomerang says that he has to. It's a rule for what they're about to do. So they walk into a bar. 
The Bar with No Name. And Nick Spencer, the writer, I, I think that he has an affinity for secret societies because we've had a few references now to the Illuminati. We had the Life Society. You know, they were the ones that got the Tri-Sentinels together for a, a potential apocalyptic scenario. Mm-hmm. So this bar kind of fits right in with that theme. The Bar with No Name is a secret bar that bi- villains have been going to for years. Some say, and I'm quoting from the book now, it's old as time and was founded by the devil himself. And you see some flashbacks. Now, the artist here, he does some interesting things with the flashbacks. He'll sort of draw them in a faded style where, with less definition. In this flashback, you see Thanos hanging out with Death. You, At do, you, the bar? do you know about Thanos' uh, relationship with Death? It seems like they're buddies. More than that, Adam. Romantic connection. Really? Yeah, Death is a female. Thanos has been in love with her for a long time, and she kind of strings him along. You know, in Infinity War, Thanos' plan is to snap his finger and kill off half of all life in the universe. Yeah. And he's doing that because he wants to balance things out, and and, and he's doing it for good, supposedly, in the movie. In the comic world, he did it as almost a Valentine's Day gift for Death. He was trying to impress her. It's like when a cat goes out and brings you a dead animal. I brought you this. Thanks, Thanos. Well, people start to question why Boomerang brought this random guy into the bar. So this bar is full of a bunch of D-list supervillains. Very colorful, uh, uh, very colorful full-page spread here of just full of supervillains. And they're wondering, who is this random guy? Fred reassures everybody, guys, guys, relax. My buddy Pete here is definitely a supervillain. And Pete says, no, I'm not. Hmm. And Fred explains, see, they call him the liar. His special power is he can make you believe anything. And uh, Boomerang's got his arm around Pete. Pete looks super pissed here. He's not happy to be here. I feel like my primary emotion in that in that place would not be anger i think i'd be pretty afraid not if you had superpowers and you know and 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 peter knows all these villains and he knows they're a bunch of clowns he's he's faced off much worse is this like the john wick hotel where uh there's no violence allowed in there that is such a great comparison i have that in my notes that it's exactly like that no violence no fighting allowed that's awesome why are they there Hmm. spider-man trivia night you you were completely right. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Fred brought him here because he figures that Pete was Spider-Man's personal photographer. With him on his team, they'll definitely win. Oh, this is a tough situation. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think Pete is going to play this? I think he's going to have a few too many beers and get very egotistical. Yeah. And combative. You well, combative. What do you mean by that? Like if someone gives an answer that is kind of insulting to Spider-Man, Peter Parker might argue with them. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see. Um, trivia is being led by a villain called The Answer and a robot named uh, The Living Brain. The Answer, uh, he reassures everyone This robot here is, in his words, definitely not a Chinese-made knockoff of the living brain. 
meaning it's the real living brain. Now, some background on these villains, Adam. Living Brain is a robot that showed up way back in Amazing Spider-Man number 8, I mean, back in the 60s. He was one of the most intelligent robots in existence. Usually, he's not out to do evil. When he does bad things, it's because he's either malfunctioning or he's being controlled. But very recently, when Dr. Octopus was in Peter Parker's body in the role of Superior Spider-Man, he defeated the Living Brain and reprogrammed him to be an assistant at Parker Labs, which means that the robot we're seeing here for Trivia Night probably is, in fact, a Chinese knockoff of the, of the actual living brain. <laughs> the answer, also known as Aaron Nicholson, his supervillain ability is he can look at data and information and come to conclusions faster than an average human. Wow, he would be very employable in this era well like he could he could just go work for google or he can run trivia night at the bar with no name <laughs> he also has a power to uh, manifest whatever superpower he needs in the moment so at first he thought he didn't have any abilities but let's say somebody attacks him suddenly he'll have super strength if he's drowning suddenly he'll have the ability to breathe underwater that sort of thing huh that's kind of the ultimate superpower it really is. You would think, you know, why is he a D-list villain? But maybe he's just not that good at it. Yeah, well, I feel like it'd be hard to give him any kind of prominence because how do you, what do you do about someone who just has whatever power they need? Yeah, it's also, it's just not great branding. You look at Doc Ock. It's like an octopus. He's got, he's got, a, you know, f how many arms does an octopus have? Four? Eight. Eight. <laughs> I don't think Doc Ock has eight. But anyway, Vulture, you know, Green Goblin, these are very easy to brand supervillains where their, their character is linked to their power. So the answer, it's too vague of an ability. He also, by the way, has a suit that he wears, a costume which is impervious to webs. They don't work on it. They don't stick mm. to it. That's very specific. Yes. It's not like Spider-Man's the only hero. That's true, but if you live in New York, he's one of the primary heroes you're going to be dealing with. Mm. I mean, they've all dealt with him, right? That's why they're doing Spider-Man Trivia Night. True, yeah. Pete wants to get out of there, but he overhears a couple of villains planning a bank robbery. And he figures, well, I should probably stay and listen so I can figure out their plan and, uh, you know, stop them later. But as you predicted, sort of, Pete gets super into it answering every question correctly he's fist pumping uh he's having the time of his life but he's so into it he doesn't notice that fred steals his cell phone and walks away steal spider-man or peter parker's cell phone peter parker's cell phone while fred is at the so irresponsible yeah pete see he's responsible for the big stuff right he's responsible in the sense that i will fight crime but when you get to the little stuff like this the trivial stuff, if you will. He just, it all goes out the window. He's too emotional. Fred's in the bathroom on the phone uh, while urinating. Which I don't like when people do that, personally. I prefer they do that than if they like start talking to me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He says to the, on the phone, he says, stolen phone, who dis? <laughs> that was one where the humor worked for me. I like that. 
Yeah, but <laughs> imagine uh, the people reading this comic 50 years from now. That's true. <laughs> They're going to like rediscover that meme. <laughs> On the phone, we learn uh, Boomerang is talking to a guy who works for Wilson Fisk. We learn that the reason Fisk has been covering for Boomerang, like he did when he robbed the museum, the reason Fisk has been covering for him is because he wants Boomerang to come work for him. But Fred isn't happy about that. He wants to be seen as a villain. And because Wilson keeps covering for him, everyone thinks he's this great hero. (laughs) And he says, you should try to kill me instead of doing all this. And by the way, I'm doubling my price. And then he throws the phone into the urinal. He threw Peter Parker's phone in the urinal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And wait, uh, what? I'm so. Why did he have? Okay, so he needed to use Peter's phone just because he he needed like a burner. He just exactly. He just needed a phone. Mm. What a jerk. Yeah. And, and Pete has some narration where he says, "You know, he you know I was so into it," and then he says, "I don't even notice Fred leave." You know, cut to Fred in the bathroom, and then later, I also don't notice. My phone has gone missing, and that's written over his phone in the urinal. (laughs) Fred comes back to the bar out of the bathroom, and he walks in to the answer saying, Magnificent! Ladies and gentlemen, the bar with no name has a new champion, the liar. Parker won. Because remember, right now, everyone thinks he's a supervillain named the liar. Oh, yeah? Uh, Wilson Fisk is not happy about this. He's very, he's very unhappy. So much so that he makes an offer. He sends a message to everyone in that bar, just like in John Wick. If you are willing to break the rules of no violence in the bar with no name, if you're willing to break the rules and kill Fred, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. And Pete's thinking to himself, he had such a great time tonight. He's thinking how, yeah, I know they're all bad guys, but he feels like he's starting to understand them. In his words, he gets why a bunch of loser outcasts can take some comfort in not being alone. Yeah, this whole experience has me thinking, maybe they're not all bad. As he thinks that, and as he's essentially high-fiving Fred, they don't notice all the villains are closing in on them in the background with these sort of smiles on their faces, ready to kill. Ooh, and he can't use, Spider-Man can't use any of his powers in here. He can't because he can't give away that he's Spider-Man. He needs to just, what he needs to do is to believe that he is the liar and to try to persuade them to let them live. That you are, you know what? You should be writing comics because uh, you. a lot of your predictions here are, I would say, 80% right. That's not bad. To be continued. It's a cliffhanger. But we're going to go right into the next issue. That's one of the benefits of being a little bit behind. We don't have to wait two weeks to find out what happens. The next issue, Amazing Spider-Man issue 7. On the cover of it, we see Fred and Pete having a couple drinks. Fred's drinking a martini. Pete is drinking out of a can with a straw. So I don't know if that's supposed to be soda because he doesn't want to get drunk. While they're, you know, chumming it up, having a good time, all the villains in the bar are staring at them, you know, ready to kill Fred. 
and Boomerang is saying to uh, Spider-Man, who's actually in costume, you know, just for the cover, for like a funny cover. Mm. Boomerang is saying to Spider-Man, stop me if you've heard this one before. A spider walks into a bar. That's the cover? That's the cover, yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Not funny <laughs> enough to laugh, but I think you were expecting me to say more. That's why you waited. Yeah. <laughs> Once we get into the actual story, we're right into the action. Pete and Fred have flipped a table over so they can hide behind the table as all the villains are closing in on them. So clearly the scuffle has already begun. Pete's thinking to himself, he's been in a lot of jams, but this one has to be the most infuriating. And one funny thing here, I mentioned in the last issue, that whenever there's a flashback, the artist sort of draws it in this faded colors, sort of undefined form. There's a flashback here to the previous issue for how Pete found himself in this situation to begin with, which I thought was funny. The flashbacks are used to show you the beginning of time with Thanos and death, and they're used to show you uh, 10 minutes ago, Pete walking into the bar. <laughs> I have a prediction about all of this. Go ahead. I think this could lead to Fred, but no one else, finding out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. What makes you say that? I don't know, but I feel like they're going to have to work together to get out of this. Oh, actually, you know what? I did correctly predict that he's going to have to use his skills as the fake villain liar. Right. So maybe not. Maybe it won't end up having to reveal that he's Spider-Man. Okay. But it could be an interesting plot development you're on to something for sure because they do need to work together while they're being shot at actual bullets flying at them pete's super annoyed <laughs> we have a criminal code he said there's no place safer than a bar full of supervillains." he said <laughs> boomerang starts fighting their way out he steals a gun from one of the other villains tosses it to pete all the meanwhile, Wilson Fisk is watching this on a live feed, and he is loving it. We get a moment here for a, a little supervillain monologue. I'm going to read it to you because I want your opinion on it, uh, because I'm having a hard time sort of deciphering it. <laughs> Wilson Fisk's assistant asks him, essentially, what did he offer the villains to get them to break their no-fighting code, to break that rule? Wilson replies, in our heart of hearts, each of us longs to be whatever we are not. The rich dream of a simpler life. The famous yearn for obscurity. Those known for strength fantasize of weakness, and those who cause chaos, they secretly admire order. After all, what greater goal can a lawbreaker have than to be the one who makes the laws? Is that true? What he's saying? Hmm... Well, I did hear an interesting theory about envy, which said that your political views could be determined psych like psychologically by what you envy. So, for example, if you don't allow yourself to have fun, then you envy the fun of others and you want to destroy it. And mm -hmm. so you end up having very socially restrictive beliefs. So maybe as a villain... He can't control himself and all the chaos he creates. That's because he's just destroying all the order that he wishes he had. Mm. 
So maybe he figured that out, and he's like, oh, let me just create order instead. Interesting. I... I don't, I don't necessarily. Famous I don't necessarily buy all that though. I buy some of it. Michael Jackson, for example, famous, but he would sometimes disguise himself, I think, uh, and, and walk around, you know, in crowds, so he could be like one of the normal people. True, or something like that. I think his kids. I mean, I have to do that all the time when I walk around <laughs> the city. Guru's comics. Everyone just yells at yells at me all the time. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pete and Boomerang are uh, are fighting, fighting their way out. And Pete thinks to himself that they're actually sort of making a good team, like you said, Adam. They got to work together to get out. But it's 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 all very frustrating because, as you said, Pete has to hold back. He can't show how good he is at fighting because he needs to maintain his secret identity. And you might think, well, they already told the cover story that he's a villain, so all the other villains in the bar shouldn't be surprised to see if he has some fighting ability. But Fred would be surprised, because to Fred, Pete's a nobody. So he's got to hold back. And then something big happens. Something, something huge happens. Something that alters the very relationship between Pete and Fred. The Scorcher goes to shoot fire at Pete. Boomerang jumps in the way and essentially takes a bullet for Pete. Wow. And that's the end of Fred. He's dead. Really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't that that doesn't seem fitting for a, such a slapstick issue. He's just a scorched skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> but he's alive. <laughs> no. why, why do you think Fred did that? I mean, he just took a bullet for Pete. He's a villain, well, right? Pete, he shouldn't be Pete's doing his something friend. like that. Pete's his friend, and, and Pete's not in the game. You know, he didn't choose this. So, Fred, there's something. He's not evil. He's got some good in him. He's a mixture. Mixed bag. Well, Pete thinks to himself, did that really just happen? Did Boomerang really just take a Scorcher Blast for me? That that doesn't make any sense. Guy is a cheat. And, uh, wait, that's it. What was he going to say? The guy's a cheat and uh, a liar. A liar. And that gives him an idea to do what you suggested. And he yells to the, to the bar, yells to everybody, all of you stop right there. The liar commands it. That's right. You all heard Boomerang tell you what I can do. And I wanted to go easy on you, but you forced my hand. If you don't let us go, all your weapons will backfire and you will kill each other. So saith... The um, liar, Alakazam. <laughs> how sh- how is this supposed to work? Because everyone knows he's a liar. Wait, do you think his powers work? I think it works because they also believe that he has the- this power. Well, he catches be- catches everyone off guard. They start saying things like, "Is he for real?" Well, I don't want to die, guys. <laughs> and one of them says. <laughs> Shouldn't it be they won't backfire? You know, because he's a liar. Yeah. So yeah. it's like he's saying things backwards. Um, so he just basically, he puzzled everyone. He, that's exactly what he did. I mean, he's, he's bluffing. But it works yeah. because he got everyone distracted. Distracted enough that Boomerang can toss one of his Boomerang bombs. Blow, blows everyone up. Nice. Gets him and Pete out of there. And then once they're outside, they start to bond a little bit. Remember I mentioned earlier, there is a reason 
that Fred wanted to sweep the floor while Pete and MJ were making out. It's because he's Fred, a pervert. He's what? I said he's a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> no, sweeping. He's always had a dream of being a custodian. Really? No. <laughs> Fred says, I finally proved myself to you. And Pete tells him, uh, I don't know about all that. What do you mean? Look, I almost pulled a Mufasa back there. Meaning he almost killed himself to save Pete. Oh, yeah. And Pete tells him, I get that. And it's not that I don't appreciate it, even if I am still a little in shock about it. But Fred, you're still a supervillain. Fred goes on about how he's reformed, but Pete tells him he still keeps in touch with Spider-Man. And and Fred, Spider-Man told me that he followed you to your secret hideout. Remember that poker game? Mm. And uh, what's funny here is that Peter refers to the villains there as Fred's knockoff Sinister Six. He calls them a knockoff because the original Sinister Six had, I forget the exact villains, but like Doc Ock was in the original Sinister Six. They were A-list villains. And Boomerang's version of the Sinister Six, I mean, it had Boomerang in in it, and he's not exactly a very well-known villain. So Pete's kind of calling the Sinister Six a knockoff. But it turns You can kind of use the Spider-Man card now. He can be like... Uh, Fred, uh, Spider-Man said that you should clean my room. (laughs) Well, we'll see how well it works here. It turns out that all that, that whole poker game, Adam, it wasn't exactly what you thought. Because we see another flashback here where Fred is hanging out with those villains when suddenly they start acting weird, stuttering. Then they stop moving entirely. They're frozen in place. Fred goes over to Speed Demon, puts his head on his shoulder, and starts crying. Oh. Okay, wait. I have a theory. Yeah, go ahead. This is like... (laughs) They're all robots. And this is like a form of... uh, It's almost like a form of therapy for Fred, where it's like he gets to feel like he's hanging out with these villains, but they're not real. Exactly. That theory makes... Wait, is that theory real? That's exactly what's going on here. (laughs) As I was saying it, I'm like, wait a minute. This makes no sense. I just want to test your Marvel trivia here. They are robots, but there's a specific name for the type of robot they are. Ooh, this... If I think with a hint, I might be able to get this. I'll give you the acronym. L-M-D. Life. Yes. That's all I got. Life model decoys. Robots. Fred misses his friends. He goes on a monologue about how he screwed up his friendship with the Sinister Six because he was constantly trying to stab them in the back. But he thinks that Pete and Randy, his new roommates, that's his chance to finally have real friends and do things right. There's a longer conversation here between the two of them, but in the end, Peter relents. And all of a sudden, he says, Sundays. And Fred asks him, huh? Pete says, Sundays, me and Randy always go down to Upright Citizens Brigade for some improv. It's worth the line. Anyway, if you're free, you're welcome to join us. 
Then Boomerang says something about how he had a bank robbery planned for Sunday, but he can move things around. <laughs> Pete tells him, too soon. And Pete thinks to himself, he's been given a lot of second chances, and he's been forgiven many times. Thinks of MJ, he thinks of Aunt May, and we all need second chances sometimes. But these are second chances for things he didn't even do wrong. <laughs> these are second chances that were the like the result of misunderstandings. Yeah. Or like, you know, breaking up with your girlfriend and then wanting to get back with her as a second chance. That's different than being a supervillain. And, uh, you know, I want to look this up because I haven't looked too deep into Boomerang's history. But do you think he's ever killed anybody? I bet not. His soul doesn't seem blacked. Can we do another uh, judgment? Yeah, yeah, let's we'll judge Fred. Yeah, Boomerang. for the next episode, you do some background research and we'll do the judgment of Fred Myers. Yeah. You're going to look it up and accidentally look up Mike Myers and be like, "Oof, Gil, I got to tell you, this guy is bad news." He's <laughs> he really likes killing people. He's killed a lot of folks. Uh Fisk, Wilson Fisk. He's livid with Boomerang. But it's okay because Wilson's assistant tells him we've located Boomerang's home address, you know, where he lives with Randy and Pete. Mm. And he informs Wilson that Fred has seemed to has seems to have struck up a friendship with one of his bunkmates. He's talking about Pete. And Fisk decides, well, guess I'll kill this Pete character, teach Boomerang a lesson. <laughs> and he, he just wants to hire Boomerang? Yeah. Why doesn't he just offer him more money? Well, I guess he doesn't want to because Boomerang did say he's doubling his price. Yeah. And I get the feeling that if he offers him more money, Boomerang is just going to keep upping the price. And I don't think he wants to work for Fisk. I don't think he wants to work for anyone. He wants to be an independent contractor. Yes. He wants to be a friend now, it seems. But we'll see if that lasts. Fisk is interrupted by, as soon as he threatens to kill Pete, he's interrupted by a mysterious voice. Who do you think that is? Hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, it's the bug guy. The vermin guy. The bandaged guy. The weird... I was thinking of guessing that, but I couldn't remember if that was from Batman. (laughs) (laughs) It's Bane. (laughs) The bandaged guy who seems to have some control over vermin and bugs, or at least over people's minds. You know, and we also know he can resurrect people. He shows up, and Fisk freaks out. He says, oh, God, get out, all of you. And you got to think, if Wilson Fisk is afraid of this guy, he's got to be bad, because Wilson is afraid of no man. Right? I think so. <laughs> we have an exchange between Wilson and Vermin Guy. We learn a few things. Before this conversation, we already knew Wilson Fisk's wife, Vanessa, who he loved dearly, she's dead. And Fisk essentially says to the Vermin Guy that you could have saved her. I offered you everything. But Vermin Guy tells him, I didn't want any of that. Must be frustrating for someone like you, right? Kingpin of crime, mayor of New York City. All that power, completely worthless. 
So Wilson wanted the vermin guy to resurrect Vanessa, and he just wouldn't do it. Hmm. The vermin guy goes on about how he knows about all of Wilson Fisk's planning and plotting, and he's going to let him do that. He's going to let him continue his machinations, but on one condition. And he tells Wilson, you know what to do. Wilson gets on his hands and knees and essentially bows to the vermin guy. And the vermin guy tells him, good, good. See? Easy peasy. We're going to get along just fine, Mr. Mayor, so long as you know who's really in charge around here. And then the vermin guy, he's got a big, like, centipede-looking tentacle thing that comes off him. It's wrapped around his shoulder, laying on the floor, and then going over and around Wilson's back. It's disgusting. I don't like where that's going. (laughs) That's the end of the issue. To be continued. So what we learn here is that it appears Wilson Fisk is sort of working for or is at least in some way subordinate to this vermin guy. And if you recall, this person seems to have some connection with Peter Parker. He says he knows Peter better than he knows himself. And now the moment that Wilson threatens to kill Pete, this guy shows up. Hmm. Any theories here? Who is this guy? What's he up to? So, at one point, we learned that this vermin guy claimed to know Spider-Man or Pete better than he knew himself. Yes. And both of them have a bug theme. Spider-Man is spider-themed, and this guy is centipede-themed? or He seems more general bug-oriented. Yeah. So I think it's possible there's some connection between them. It could be some kind of horrific alternate version of Spider-Man or Peter Parker, like from another time or another universe, or some kind of relative. That was exactly my theory. I think he's either Pete from from an alternate future or uh, maybe a different reality. Do you think he's actually... Up to something good? Ooh. I would have a... Maybe it's some twisted morality where he thinks he's up to something good, but it's it's not good. Okay. The only thing that makes me question him being Pete is that he apparently has the ability to resurrect the dead. But now Mm. that I'm saying it, if he's Pete from the future and he has time travel ability, maybe his resurrecting the dead is just going back in time and plucking that person out from the situation before they die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess if you have the ability to time travel, then it would de facto give you the ability to resurrect people. Right. The Now, the other ability we saw him manifest is uh, to make people see things. Remember, he made Mysterio see the entire courtroom of people get overrun and killed by vermin and bugs. But yeah. that you could explain that away. You could say that maybe he has some tech that lets him do that. Maybe a drug. Or maybe this isn't Peter Parker. Or maybe it's Peter Parker from an alternate reality where he does have all those abilities. He seems almost like on another level in terms of his powers. Like almost godlike. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I wonder also if it, it seems like we're setting up two parallel kind of big stories. You've got Craven in the background up to something. We don't really know what. He's capturing villains. And then over here, you've got this vermin guy. I wonder if the two of them are connected or if those are two totally separate major villains that are being set up. We'll see. Overall, I mentioned earlier that I've really enjoyed the comedy from Nick Spencer in this run of Amazing Spider-Man. For these two issues, it went a little bit too far for me. The whole concept of having Peter Parker go to Spider-Man trivia and the the revelation that Fred has a bunch of robots he hangs out with. All of that was, it was funny. It was a little too far for me. And it made me miss, you know, back in issue one, two, the earlier issues of this run where there was more of a focus on the relationship, the drama between Pete and MJ. Yeah. But even thinking back to issue one, remember what brought Pete to, what convinced him to go talk to MJ was an encounter with Mysterio. So even back then, there was some silliness, but it was counterbalanced by some of that focus on the dramatics. So I think that I just need to accept that this series will probably go back and forth in that mix of drama and comedy. And when it shifts a little bit too far to comedy, it'll probably seem a little too silly for me because I kind of like when there's a healthy mix between the two. So not a bad arc. I enjoyed it, but I'm hoping that the next one which will feature Black Cat, by the way. Hoping that one will maybe bring some of the drama back into it. I'm looking forward to it. And I also look forward to watching this new bromance between Pete and Fred blossom. Yeah, I have a good feeling about those two. I'm Gil, and I read comics. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating, or if you have time, a review in Apple's podcast app. It really helps us out, helps us get more listeners, which will make it more fun for all of us. And if you want to get involved in the show, if you want to send in your feedback, comments, questions, if there's a particular comic you'd like us to talk about, then you can reach out via email gilreadscomics at gmail.com or check us out on Twitter at gilreadscomics.